You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. I pray today that you're strengthened and encouraged. And today, I want to speak a message called Faith Over Fear. Faith Over Fear. Because your faith... The faith that God puts in your heart, in your life, is greater than the fear we experience in the world. The faith of Christ that He's given you is actually, according to the first book of John, that which causes us to overcome the world, the system of the world, the challenges we face in the world and the fears that come from the world. So I'm going to start reading from the book of Timothy, second book of Timothy, chapter 1 and verse chapter 1 and verses 5 through to 7. And I'm going to pause and just try and exegetically, um, even though I'm not the best exegetical preacher, I'm a very energetical preacher, but not that great an exegetical preacher, but I'll do the best I can. Is that okay? Second Timothy 1, 5 to 7 says, verse 5, as I think of your strong faith, Uh, I'm reading from the Passion Translation as well, just so you're clear. As I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line, it began with your grandmother Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother Eunice. And it's clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. Brilliant. This book, uh, just pause for a second. This book is actually written to the grandson of a woman who encountered God, who began faith in Jesus Christ and through her influence, her daughter and now her grandson have a strong and passionate faith in God. I just love that. I just love that. Um, I'm standing here today, not uh, just in part, but, but through a huge influence of an encounter my mother had with God in about 1977. She had grown up in a traditional sort of church setting, was what you would call a a conservative Christian, would go to church once a week with our family. My dad and mum both went. They were very um, conservative but faithful Christians and didn't have a great deal of knowledge of God. There was, it was more probably a faith in the church, a faith in the religious system. And she came to a point in her life at 33 years of age where she felt like she'd lost her faith completely. She heard a, an atheist and a Catholic priest on TV debate whether God was real. And in that debate, the priest lost the debate, apparently, in my mum's ears. And she basically lost her confidence in the church and lost herself. About a fortnight after that, she went through a really dark time in her heart and her life and started to question everything. About a fortnight after that, uh, in her bed, 22 Bedford Street, East Fremantle, across the corridor from my room and my brother's room. She called out to God and she said, God, if you are real, I need to know. You need to show me. 
you need to show me that you're real or I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm at the end of anything to do with faith. And she called out that night and, and all I can say is on that night, God showed up. God came into her life in such a supernatural way that literally I was in bed. It was about 8.30 at night. We were in bed or they were trying to put us into bed. And, you know, teen, young, I was 11. My brother was nine. 11 and nine-year-olds don't go to bed easy, mums and dads. So I totally understand the struggle. And we were in bed and we heard this laughing and crying and, and this something going on in mum and dad's room. We ran out of the room into their bedroom and his mum laying in bed laughing and dad just laying there next to her. And he says, hey, kids, it's all right. Go back to bed. Mum's, mum's just experiencing God or something's going on. I want you to just go back to bed. So we, we went back out of the room, went into our bedroom. The next morning, my mum got up. It's like she was a brand new person. Uh, all I can remember was she went outside looking at the, went outside and she said, Ray, look at, look at the lawn, look at the flowers, something, this place is beautiful. And from an 11-year-old point of view, to me, she was a lot less grumpy, <laughs> a lot happier. She was a lot less miserable because little kids remember often the emotional atmosphere of their parents. And I can remember something switched in her. And, uh, but that faith that started in my mother is now in me. That faith of the goodness of God coming into her life is in me. I saw it in her example, but I personally encountered Christ. It's in my sister. And our love for Jesus is not just that we've found something ourselves. It was passed on. It was passed on. My faith is in my son and my daughters. One of my children's pastoring over in Sydney and they love God and they have had a personal encounter. It's in our grandchildren, our two little grandsons, our three grandsons today. It was a great joy to be, they were upstairs in the children's ministry room and learning about Christ. And uh, when, when you as a parent sow the seeds of the kingdom of God and the faith of Christ into your children, I want to tell you and encourage you that that is the greatest miracle. Don't think that they have to go to hell and be dragged back from Satan's lair until they can find. They can become a man of God or a woman of God. Uh, they'll have struggles because every single teenager I know has some sort of struggle uh, or they have it in their later life or whatever. We all have struggles because that's the world we live in. But the faith you have in Christ is powerful. Never undervalue it or underestimate it. Hold on to it. Believe in it. Pray for them and believe for the mighty God of heaven who saved you to save them. God can shock you by what He can do in your children if you will believe. And so I'm just encouraging mums and dads today that if you have faith in Christ, it's not so that you would just be saved on your own. It's so the generations that follow you will become men and women of God, salt and light and change their world. And I just thank God so much for my God's mercy in my family that I can sit with my mum and dad in their senior years and know that when they pass into eternity, they're going to go into the loving arms of a Saviour who cares for them. Their life is not over. I won't be able to talk to them direct, but they'll be able to watch me from their vantage point. It's beautiful. It's real and it's life-changing and powerful. 
That's not my message, but I'm going to go on. Verse 6, verse 6, faith over fear. And this continues on. So Paul sets a platform. He says, this faith that you have is three generations, powerful and wonderful. And verse 6 says, I'm writing to encourage you now, this generation. It's wonderful what you've had in the generations gone by, but the pressure now is on you. The circumstance, the faith of your mother, what you have to deal with. It's not enough to have the faith of your mother or your grandmother. This is now time for your faith to kick in, your faith to make a difference, you to become the salt and light of your world. And this is what he says, I'm writing to encourage you now, Timothy, to fan into flame and rekindle the fire, the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. What was the spiritual gift that came at the laying of hands of Paul? It wasn't just a gift of healing or some specific gift. It was the gift of faith. It was the gift and the ability to believe the possibilities of God in an impossible circumstance. It was the ability to believe the protection of God and the provision of God and the ability of God, no matter what happened. It was the ability to believe that you could hold on when storms come, that if God has given you His Word, that He's gonna get you to where He said you will go, no matter what comes against you. That's the gift of God. That's the gift of God. It's not just some specific thing, but it's a powerful, life-changing faith. And Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy here, stirring him to stir it up, fan it into flame and let it burn bright. Verse 7 says this, and it talks now about the enemy of his faith. He says, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power Love and self-control. Today, I want to talk about what it looks like to be a person of faith, driven by the power of the Holy Spirit and not manipulated or controlled by fear that's in the world and the culture we live in. There is so many areas of fear that we deal with and I think everyone in this room knows that right now with the situation of the world that it's in, fear is increasing. Either you live in a bubble that's completely protected from reality or if you deal with people in your community, your family, your friends, you know that all of them are facing challenges and choices that are intimidating and difficult. And there are so many voices so many voices that tell you one thing, then tell you another. So many voices that, that compel you one way, then compel you in the opposite direction. It's a challenge in the midst of that. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Fear is increasing. The fear of loss. The fear of death today. I don't think there's ever been a time in human history where the world has been uh, certainly, let me say that again, not in our generation have we seen a global scenario like today where people are afraid. Um, anything that begins with V, I think people are fearful of it. The fear of the virus, fear of the vaccine, which supposedly fixes the virus or you name it. it it's, like, it's like anything with a V is a dirty word nowadays. Fear of missing out. 
Fear of not being able to fulfil the destiny that you somehow internally and instinctively know that it's there. Uh, Fear causes us to do all sorts of crazy things. And sometimes we don't even know that we're being manipulated or motivated by fear, but fear will, will cause you to function in a certain way. When you deal with fear, let me say that there are two fundamental responses when people are afraid. The, the, the instinctive responses of fear is number one, fight, and number two, flight. The reaction of fear in fight is, is sometimes manifested in anger. And if people are afraid, if they feel cornered, they feel like they've been cornered into a thing. I remember when we were hunting kangaroos as a boy and um, I'm not going to go into any of the graphics of hunting kangaroos as a boy many years ago, but hunting kangaroos on the farm uh, and we used to eat kangaroos and stuff. But what I noticed about kangaroos is when they were frightened, they would fight you. They would fight you and they'd take you on and you wanted to make sure that you had good clothing on because if they kick you, they can open you up on the, on the, you know, they can kick you open. Anyway, that's a bit graphic. <laughs> the point is, the point is sometimes as human beings, when we feel cornered, we react in the terms, I'll fight. I'm going to fight my way out of the corner. I don't know what else to do. I don't know how else to respond. Or maybe the opposite of that, when we're afraid, is we put on flight, we run to escape. We get away as far as we can. We try and hide. We try and, uh, in some ways, mentally escaping is just living in denial. It's, it's just making out like there's no issue. Uh, no, there are issues. Fight is not the answer. And I want to say to you that fight or flight is not the answer. What we need today is the wisdom of heaven and the confidence and the faith of God. So what I'm saying is not what reaction is the way to go? It's, it's actually, am I downloading the ability of God in the moment to respond well? Because I don't believe we should be driven by fear. I believe we shouldn't be driven, but should be driven by faith and the mission that God has called me to. The mission that God has called us to is the right response. It's not about what's right or wrong. It's actually about what's God called me to do. What am I called to do? And I will fulfil that regardless of what else anyone ever says. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Paul begins and he says, I want to encourage you to fan into flame. I want to encourage you to rekindle the fire. In other words, the faith in your heart needs to be nurtured. Your fire needs to be nurtured. How do you nurture fire? What you've got to do is feed it. You've got to feed it. And sometimes we're feeding ourselves things that put out our faith and they put on fear. Sometimes we're feeding our hearts with information, with knowledge, with relationships, with situations that tell us more about the fear of the enemy than the power of Christ. And, and I want to say that the simple way, to, one of the ways to deal with fear is to stop feeding the fear and start feeding your faith. Start feeding your faith. The just shall live by fear. No, no, the just shall live by faith. Faith in the Son of God. Everyone say faith. Live by faith. And so Paul writes to Timothy and he says, stir up your faith. Stir up, rekindle the grace of God that's on you, this gift that's in you. Rekindle it, 
Don't let the circumstance of your life squeeze you into a way of functioning. No, you push back against it and you choose to live by faith and believe that God is greater, that God is able, that God is supernaturally, has the ability to give you strength and power no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. No matter what, the same God that got you there is the same God that can keep you there, is the same God who can get you through to where He wants you to go. Remember the story of the disciples in the boat. I've just gone off my notes for a second, but remember the stories in the boat. Jesus said, right, oh boys, jump in the boat, go over the other side. He jumps in the boat, goes to sleep. As they get about a third the way, Jesus is asleep in the boat. It's crazy, this massive storm. Jesus is asleep in the boat. The disciples are freaking out and they wake him up. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? We're going to die. What is wrong with you? You're the boss and you're sleeping. You're sleeping on the job. Jesus wakes up and says, come on, you have little faith. I've told you what? I've said you're going to get to the other side. Just trust me. Hold on to that. So Jesus speaks to the storm. It stops. They get to the other side. What I've realised is storms come in the midst of doing the will of God. Storms come to deliberately intimidate you as to whether you are going to trust the mission that Christ has put you on or are you going to trust the circumstance that have come on you in that moment? Because God has got everyone in this room on a mission. Every one of us is called to be salt and light to our world. Every one of us has been given authority by Christ, has been given power by God, has been given supernatural grace to make a difference in the world we live in. The choice we have is, are we gonna be intimidated when fear comes on us or are we gonna get on our fear and live by faith in the Son of God? Three things that God gives us. Three things that Christ gives when He gives us His Spirit. Number one, verse seven says, for God will not never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power. The word power in the Greek language is the same word as the Word was described when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the book of Acts. It's the dunamis power. And the Word means wonder-working, supernatural power. Miracle-working power. So in the times when the world is raging because of fear, God's people have been graced with a supernatural power on their life to keep them and guide them and strengthen them in the midst of their circumstance. We don't have to react with fear, but we can respond in faith because God has put power on our life, miraculous power. Number two, He puts His love that God puts upon us instead of fear, He puts His love upon us. Verse seven again says, He gives you the mighty power and Love. The word love is the agape love of God. I love this word because really this speaks so much of everything in my life. Without the love of God, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I, I couldn't 
have continued to do because the love of God strengthens us when we come to our limit. The love of God, the agape of God, is not just human love. It's not just that natural human love you have for another person. But agape love is the divine love of God that comes, which is supernatural, and it begins where you come to your end. In other words, in that marriage where you just no longer have any sense of emotion or you feel like you can't go on and you cry out to God, God can give you His agape love. He can strengthen that marriage and bring new love where there was nothing. You can fall in love again because of the agape of God the ability of God or that work situation where you've been offended, you've been hurt and you don't know how to release that. Do you know by trusting in Christ and surrendering that to Him, you can ask for the love of God and God can bring forgiveness into your heart. He can help mercy start to flow again. Relationships be restored and trust be restored. The agape love of God is beautiful. It was this type of love that God used when He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. It was this love that he used. It was God's love, benevolent love, unconditional love that was given to us when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus' death on the cross was not a transaction. It was not, I'm going to die because you're going to do the right thing. I will die. I will die for the sins of all the world once you do A, B, C. Once you earn brownie points with me, then... I'm going to send my son and he's going to die on the cross. No, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is this. We turned our back on God. We despised Him. We rebelled against Him. We said, I'm not interested in your plan for our life. And in spite of that, our Saviour died on the cross. And He said, I don't care what you do. If you accept or reject the gift on, and that's it. I'm laying down my life because I love you and that's it. I'm not backing off. I'm not walking away, but I'm committed. The Creator of heaven was so committed to us that He sent His only Son, His Son to die on a wooden cross, that whomsoever would open their heart, whomsoever would respond, whomsoever at a free choice and free will, whoever would open their heart to God, God would make a way, but He didn't wait until we'd done the right thing. He did it in spite of the fact that we'd turned our backs on Him. That is the agape love of God. Oh, that gives me hope. (laughs) My gosh, thank you, Jesus. That is so beautiful. He gives us wonder-working power, mighty power. Number two, He gives us His love. And number three, He gives us self-control, the spirit of self-control. The word self-control here is an interesting word. It's sophronisimas, sophronisimas in the Greek language. And it means to be a sober mind under discipline and objectivity. In other words, it means the ability to decide without emotion and without the interference of bias. What it is, when the Spirit of God comes on a human being and they start to see from a God perspective, you're not just looking at yourself because of fear of protection and and how do I preserve myself? 
You actually are in a sense of God. I know you're my shepherd. You're my shield. You're my strength. It's the ability to step back. Look at the big picture and say, God, what do you want in this moment? What do I need to do in order to move forward to fulfil your purpose? Sober-mindedness, self-control. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love and a sound mind. Fear is subject to the power of Christ, the love of God and the self-control that God gives to our heart. I've made some decisions in this season with the pandemic and with what is going on. And each one of us has to come before God at a conscience level and weigh our heart up before the Lord. But I've made some decisions personally and I wanna encourage you what these are. Number one, I refuse to be manipulated by fear. I refuse to let fear manipulate me into decisions that affect the lives of those that I love. I've made a decision to stand my ground and maintain my position in the community regardless of the price. I'm not backing off because fundamentally, I've been called by Jesus Christ to be salt and light to my community. The enemy's desire, I don't believe, is to kill Christians in this season, this whole pandemic season. I believe this real strategy of the enemy is to remove Christians from places of influence to remove leaders from communities, to remove those that are godly light and salt in environments of darkness and hopelessness, to remove you and to remove me from our place of authority and the voice that brings hope through Jesus Christ. And I've made a decision, I am not moving, but I'm gonna do whatever it takes to pursue God and to fulfil the mission that Christ has given me. Let me tell you why I decided that probably about two months ago or six weeks ago, we had a team. We were sending teams out to, uh, in our greenhouse teams, doing door knocking and praying for every home. And we were in the Kudanup region, praying for people in homes. We weren't going in there to thump them with the Bible. We were simply going in there to pray for needs, to bless homes, to believe for miracles and healing of the sick in every nursing. We came to this set of units and it was, it was a nursing care facility. And on the front door of that nursing care facility said, you cannot enter this building unless you're double vaxxed. You can't enter the building. So what was I to do? I can't go in and violate the law. There's so much information about the vaccine and So much going on about, what do I do? I made a decision then, I said this, I am never gonna let fear, the fear of what might happen to me, stop me from fulfilling the purpose of heaven. While I have breath in my lungs, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to reach the people God's called me to reach. Because in that nursing home, there's people at the end of their life ready to go into eternity. And one word of the Gospel in their heart, shared with them, can bring turn their eternity around. And I will not let the enemy intimidate me from one person. We went home to home and it was after that day, I went home so heavy in my heart. I felt like I'd been cut off from the mission that God called me to. And I realise now, I realise now that those that are on mission, God will provide and will protect. 
And whether you're afraid of a virus or whether you're afraid of a vaccine, God's provision and protection is there for you if you're on mission. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. This is not about you getting a vaccine or not. This is about you fulfilling the mission of Christ and the enemy's strategy is to remove you. Because once the righteous are removed from the community, what hope has that community got? It's got none. God has put us in this city to be a preservative, to bring power, to bring hope, to bring faith. He needs the church not just to be a voice on the side, but to be in the centre amongst the people and causing them to find hope again. He needs leaders in this community who love their city enough to say, I'm going to lay down my life to give myself for the purpose of heaven in this city. I have served this city for 34 years. And I am not going to give up and I'm not going to be intimidated and back off today. I believe that there is going to be a church in this city of over 5,000 people. I've seen it. I saw it 10 years ago. I saw this vision of a church. Actually, when I was 19, I saw a church in this city of 5,000 people. Jesus has called me to go across to the other side of the lake. And I don't care what comes. I when God's going to take me and keep me there. And I don't care what comes on your life. When you're trusting, when you're hoping, when you're believing God, God has called you to a mission. He can get you to where you, where you need to go. The same faith that gets you there is the same faith that can keep you there. Remember that. It's the grace of God that called us is the same grace that keeps us. Supernatural, mighty power, agape love and the spirit of self-control. Stand your ground. Maintain. Church, I'm encouraging. Whatever decisions you make, maintain your position of authority in the community. Do not abandon your post. You have been anointed by God to serve the people of this generation. And I believe God will preserve you in that service. Have faith in God's ability to protect and provide for you in order that you can fulfil His will. I just believe that. Last verse I'm just gonna quote as I close is this. Luke chapter 10, verses 19. He says, look, I've given you, Jesus speaking to the disciples when He's sending them out into the community. He says, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. <laughs> I like that. He could have just said you can walk among snakes and scorpions, but he's obviously a farm boy as well. You can crush them. Ah! That means they're not coming back. They're gone. <laughs> you can crush them. You can walk among the snakes and the scorpions, the influence of this world, and you can crush it because the enemy lives in the atmosphere of fear. You can crush fear and you can live by faith and authority. I hope, I hope you understand my heart. Nothing, nothing, nothing will injure you. Amen. Bam, come on. Nothing will injure you. Oh my gosh. When I, when I was praying for this service, I, I said this in the previous service as well, but I saw a number of things that I felt God speaking to me for people here today. Areas of fear that have robbed them 
And really, how do I know that I'm struggling with fear? Because I'm torment. Confusion. It brings torment. It brings confusion. Indecision. The opposite of the three things I said the Holy Spirit gives us. This is what I saw. I saw people who've had words spoken over them that have been like a death sentence, specifically to do with areas of sickness, uh, things that have been spoken in the past and it's been like a death sentence over your life. And every time you get a, you get a pimple on your leg, you're going, oh my gosh, it's, it's that thing. Oh my gosh. Or you, or you, see a, you see a black mark on your arm. Oh my gosh, it's that thing. No, it's a lie. That's a lie. You're actually believing false evidence that appears real. You are subject to fear. Cut that off. It's lying, deceiving words. You're, you're a child of God. You're not a slave of fear. You're a child of the living God. Don't accept those words. Cut them off. I saw generational fear. Uncertainty in your now relationship because of parents' failed marriage. And it's the fear that what I'm in now is going to end. I can't sustain it. What happened to mum and dad? And it's actually the trauma of that generational experience that you've been through has left an imprint on your heart. And every time your marriage comes under pressure, this conflict, which is natural and normal for every single relationship, to have balance, you've got to have tension. A relationship that is awesome, to balance each other, there's got to be tension. Not the time to talk about that now, but I want to tell you that whenever your marriage comes under pressure, those words, that trauma awakens and shows itself. And it's really important to address that. Renounce it, break it off your life. If that is operating and working over you, either of you, manage what you say to each other. There's a, there's a fear of spouse being unfaithful. A fear of being abandoned and betrayed. Again, in the area of marriage. I also see specifically the fear of not having enough. The fear of poverty, not making ends meet. And obviously, I wouldn't have to be a prophet to say this, but the fear of the future, fear of death. Is there a plan? Specifically, the fear of the future. Is there a plan for my life? Am I able to fulfil what God has said? The fear of that. Sometimes even being in church and you hear all the things that are said and the words that have stirred. Sometimes people walk away feeling completely inadequate as though, I don't know if I can do that. Today, I want to encourage you. You can fulfil God's mission for your life. You have what it takes. You have His wonder-working power. You have His agape love and you have a sound mind. You can do it. You can do it. You've been given power to do what God wants you to do. The most terrifying thing for me before I became a Christian was I could see this standard that I thought people had to live by as Christians, but I had no idea. I thought I could never live up to being a Christian. I don't feel as though I could live worthy of that. When I found out the Gospel was not about how worthy I am, but it was about trusting God, changed my whole life. The provision of God has not come from your goodness, it comes from His. It comes from His ability to keep you. 
I wanna pray for fear right now. I wanna pray and address this spirit of fear that I believe is trying to come on the church. And I wanna encourage you today in those words that I've spoken, those issues that I've spoken, whether it's to do with that word spoken over your life like a death sentence or a generational sense of fear through family trauma, whether it's a fear of unfaithfulness or the fear of not having enough or the future. If, if you're wrestling or, or any other fear, God has not made you a slave of fear. You are a child of the living God. And therefore, we have authority over this. And I want us, in, if, if those who can right at this moment, I want you to, if you relate to this and you know God wants to break fear off your heart, I want you to stand to your feet right now. And we're gonna just pray and renounce that. We're gonna pray and renounce that. That the sons and daughters of the living God can stand and rise and become all they're meant to be in this generation. We refuse. We refuse to let fear have its way. We refuse to back off and stop bringing the Gospel of Christ to the world that we, we passionately love and we desperately hunger to know God. And Father, we just come before You right now as Your children. None of us, Lord, above anyone else, but all together, Lord, as children of God, recognising that we need You and we want to trust in the, that, Lord, it's not our power, but Your power we want to trust in today. And that we need Your strength. We need Your, your grace and confidence. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Father. I want You to pray this with me. We're going to cut fear off. We're going to renounce fear. Whatever fear you're wrestling with, you identify it. Don't put up with it another moment. You leave this service, you're free of fear. You're the head, not the tail. You have authority and power over it. You are God's child from this moment. Right now, I speak that authority over your life. I want You to say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender to You, that You are the Lord of my life. I choose this day to trust You, to hold on to You. I believe that You have set me free from a spirit of fear. And I renounce every thought, every mindset that opens the door to fear. I no longer entertain it or allow it. But this day, I stand on it in Jesus' Name with the authority of Christ and through the blood of Jesus, I am free. I thank You today, Lord, that I am Your child. You have not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.